Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to the James Bond Complex podcast, the show where we discuss, rejoice, and analyze. And I insist on this point with the most finely toothed of combs, the entire James Bond flora, from Fleming to films, and everything in between. Ooh. Ooh. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Edgar. You also heard a second ooh. I have Emery with me. You're Emery, right? Uh, last time I checked. Wonderful. It says so on the on the uh, streamyard uh, screen. So that's that's really so that's what it says on my passport. <laughs> so we're gonna go well, with that. I mean, it's t- it's tough when you have so many different passports. So, ooh, I should I should, I should maybe edit that out. Uh, we're back, baby. We're back uh, after a certain hiatus, but those are details for another time. Uh, we are continuing with the Fleming Second Edition, uh, astute. Faithful listeners recently downloaded and listened, and I hope enjoyed episodes uh, about Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I had Mike Reyes with me. Then came um, You Only Live Twice with uh, Alan and Jill Porter from uh, the James Bond Lexicon. Uh, two fantastic episodes, if I do say so myself. But we're back. We got we got to finish this. We got to finish the second edition. There's only one book left. One novel left. Exactly. One novel. Yeah, that's true. Do, Thank you very much. We'll clarify that we were skipping the the short stories, not because there's no value in the short stories. The short story collections uh, are 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 great. They're 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 worthy mm. Bond stories. Uh, but we wanted to, the second edition. We concentrated very much on the novels, and mm-hmm. being the completists that we are, mm-hmm. we have to finish with the end. We have to finish. You know, in all logic, one ten- does tend to finish with the end. That's you. <laughs> that's usually how it works. Generally, that's how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, first and foremost, Emery, uh, thanks for jumping on uh, to, to this one. Uh, the last couple episodes, I was sort of flying solo, mm-hmm. but he or she or they who says second edition says guest. We've had a guest on every single one. If I'm not mistaken, we've had a guest on every single one of these second editions. Um, returning guests, we have Simon Drake, connoisseur of James Bond movie editing extraordinaire. <laughs> Simon, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you on this fine Saturday morning slash afternoon? I'm great, and I'm all looking forward to getting stuck into some classic old-school Fleming Interesting that you would say that, Stuck. I thought you were going with Swamp Mud, uh, for one. <laughs> and secondly, um, interesting that you would say old school classic Flemings. I think there may be some interesting talking points about who finished this book <laughs> that, that we can get into. But let's start with, uh, as I like to do on these second editions, I know uh, people are going to say... Uh, you know, change the CD, say something different. But again, me and Matt have reviewed this book, although don't quote me on what I said on the episode that would have been recorded four or five years ago. I don't even remember what I said, but it's out there in the ether. So this is not my review. This is not my review. This is Emery and Simon's review. So I'm kind of curious to know, and we'll start with Simon. Maybe what's what's your history with The Man with the Golden Gun, the book? When did you read it first? Has your opinion? And we will get into our opinions, but has it evolved? Just maybe a little snippet of, of your history with this novel. It's probably one of the last books that I've actually read of Fleming. I mean, I, I largely read them in order, and it was always the one I kept hearing mixed things about. It's not very good. It's 
mm-hmm. wasn't even finished by Fleming and, and and all of these things and and so I always had a fairly low expectation when I went in and with a low low expectation mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I was fairly middling and fairly bit meh when I first read it and I've subsequently read it two or three times since okay. um yeah and I think even a even a lesser Fleming there's still plenty plenty mm-hmm. in there and I must say re-reading it for this for this episode um, and making some notes and actually having read it a couple of times and actually then pulling out elements to discuss mm-hmm. I actually find a lot of value in it I mean again it's hard to analyze it because is it a first draft that wasn't really finished and was finished by someone else Pro- mm-hmm. probably from the sounds of it mm-hmm. I re- also reread the man with the golden typewriter which is Fleming's notes Mm-hmm. to see if there's any nuggets of information there and it all seemed a bit vague as to he seemed to suggest he was quite happy with the first draft so in some of the letters um okay. Okay. but other but again it's hard to know if it's actually a fleming book there's a couple of points when i was reading it thinking okay i can see that might have been fleshed out with a with a second draft so yeah so i got more enjoyment out of it on repeat readings mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's still fairly middle of the road. But again, it's hard to judge it as a mm. as a Fleming original, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting. You and we'll get to Emery in just a second. But I like the fact that you brought up the point of you read the Man with the Golden Typewriter, which I, I have not read. But that little bit of additional research you did, because I I ventured ever so slightly into some research. I actually opened the Lycett book, you know, the Index Man with the Golden Gun. I wanted to read those those pages and that book I love, I can never remember its title, like the official companion of Ian Fleming, the one with the yellow cover, James Bond in his world, I think. And, and I went to the to the man with the golden gun pages in that and to your point, Simon, it's like, well, he was satisfied, but no, he wasn't. But it's a first draft, but not really. It's like, I don't really know what this book is supposed to be taken as. It's very, uh, it's very vague to your point. That's, that's interesting. And you did some research, inconclusive. I've done some research, in- <laughs> inconclusive. Um, Emery, regale us. What's, what's a little bit of your history? And, and maybe you have some fire points? Because I know you're a student of Fleming. Maybe you have some other points to add to this conversation. Uh, I, I did some research inconclusive um i've got edgar lent me the copy of um the john griswold um bond companion or the what is it called um anyway in fleming james bond there there's not much there. i mean other than the glossary of terms that that i i googled most of the time anyway while reading um because there's some there's some terminology that that Fleming uses that I wasn't necessarily familiar with, and and, and mm-hmm. we'll get to that maybe a little bit later. But in general, it's a book that I don't go back to. It's not a book mm-hmm. that really has always been on my radar. Like it's a must read by Fleming. I don't believe it was necessarily finished by someone else because I don't see when I read it. I, I I read Fleming, but I read unfinished Fleming. I can I can tell right away that there's stuff that he would have gone back and, and edited, cut down shorter. There's there's some things that kind of go on, but there's a lot of Fleming elements. The the whole analysis of of Scaramanga kind of reminds me of of earlier Fleming books, uh, especially with Casino Royale, where they're kind of breaking down the villain and the target, and they've got mm-hmm. a whole file and um, mm-hmm. and the detail from M's briefing or what M's reading uh, beforehand. I mean, some of that stuff just screams like, yeah, this is what Fleming did. 
maybe you could have trimmed the fat a little bit on that. And there's some other areas where I think that it's kind of apparent that this is a first draft, but maybe lightly edited. Uh, but I don't believe that Kingsley Amos really, other than giving it a cursory look over, I don't think he rewrote anything or he wrote anything additional to it. I just think it's 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 an unfinished Fleming that could have maybe had Fleming gotten the chance to to get a second draft in, maybe had changed a few elements of the story or edited them just a little bit. But I feel that the book would have just been maybe a little bit shorter uh, or he would have gone into more detail about certain aspects of the book that maybe would have fleshed it out a little bit more. Um, I think one of the recurring points that I see when discussing the book is that uh, there's not much character development um, for James Bond. Like it doesn't, it's, it's kind of like stifled there after the, um, the, the attack on M there's no furthering of Bond's personal development or anything like that. As we may have seen, there's less of the, the reflection of, of what he's going through. Um, he's kind of just almost going through the motions kind of thing. That's, okay. that's what I get out of it. And the, 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 the notes that go with the book. I mean, it just seems like there's not that much there. I haven't read The Man with the Golden Typewriter. It's it's on my list of, of books to buy, um, but I'm I'm a Fleming completist. If I don't have all the books that mention his name, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sad, and I'm probably gonna be collecting books until I'm ninety. <laughs> Interesting, uh, Simon. Are there any passages that that you feel could have used a, a brush up? Uh, I remember you mentioned there's maybe a lack of character development. That's that's something I want to dive a little bit deeper into. Is there anything that struck you, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's also things that we'll get into as we sort of go through the story as well. But there's definitely some sort of plot strands and some sort of character beats and and mm. there does seem well firstly i was going to ask you both the question in relation to i think what we've been talking about Please. which because obviously it's you know let's let's say it's an unfinished book um and would you have preferred it to have ended with you only live twice with the sort of slightly more downbeat but with the um obituary and that's kind of that mm. would have been the end of fleming bond or do you prefer the slightly more tagged on happy ending where he gets his knighthood but he turns it down and it and he's kind of with merry good night but it's kind of unfinished and a bit half baked what 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 would you have preferred i'm just curious if you ask this question to me on the eve of going to the cinema to watch No Time to Die. I'm like, yeah, I guess You Only Live Twice ending would have been interesting. And I'm like, nah, let's give him another mission. It's fine. He'll spend his days in Jamaica with very good night. I'm okay with that. Yeah, Emery? I think it's 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 weird because I think uh, You Only Live Twice kind of was a good out, but almost at the same time from Russia with Love was a good out. Um, so mm. having the unfinished Man with the Golden Gun but then I, I would I would throw right away in there, not necessarily Colonel Sun, but um, with a mind to kill uh, by Horowitz. Mm -hmm. That kind of book ended the kind of not mm -hmm. not uh, tragedy that is that is man with a golden gun, but the kind of unfinished business and the kind of the 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 unformulated idea. I think that the, that um, Horowitz does a much better job of mm -hmm. uh finishing up what happened and you only live twice than than bang with a golden gun does so knowing that horowitz was going to do what he did 
you know, that's, that's maybe that changes my opinion on golden gun, just mm -hmm. a little bit, knowing what is potentially next in the, the continuation, how Horowitz wrote books that were part of Fleming's original continuation and not mm -hmm. a, a branch off of their own. I mean, Colonel Sun and I'll, I'll, I'll go on a whim here and say devil may care are kind of in the Fleming continuity, but right, right, right. Horowitz and, and, and with mind to kill kind of really, um, fit in much better and kind of polish that off a little bit better than, than anyone else has. Simon. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I actually quite like the fact that even though it's a bit sloppy, man with the golden gun does feel a, to me when I was reading it, particularly this time, it feels a bit of a, let's just get back to basics. I mean, by chapter four, he's basically the yeah. normal James Bond again. It's kind of, yeah. right, let's just get, and it's, and it's kind of okay he's he's in jamaica and we've seen a bit of the yeah. grind baby grind section in the belly licks chapter mm -hmm. here's a bit of a bit in the marsh and here's a bit of it, it feels a bit of a sort of fleming almost just going back to the to the well and some of that maybe doesn't read as terribly creative but yeah. it's kind of back to the back to the bond style it almost seems as if fleming himself is trying to get back to that very quickly and just kind of after the slightly after the much more gothic bleak quite surreal book previous to that you mm, yeah. it's it's almost right let's just get back to jamaica let's just get back to a fairly standard like you say the dossier here's the dossier mm. on scaramanga and here's a, here's a bunch of gangsters on a train which we've seen <laughs> forever and yeah it's a little yeah. bit of sort of familiar tropes patterns but part mm. of it finds that quite comforting as well it's, it's, it's a sort of, uh, <laughs> yeah um yeah. no like i say it does feel a little bit sloppy and a little bit it, it does feel as if fleming was maybe running a bit on fumes really with ideas but it also feels classic classic bond mm. and and it's the i think it's the third book is the sort of jamaica trilogy because of dr no live and let die and i think this is the only other the other one when it's in jamaica other than yeah, I think so. So it's kind of nice to have a almost a start <laughs> a middle and an end in jamaica mm -hmm. of the i've books. ever heard of that the, the jamaica trilogy it's the first time i hear are people saying that <laughs> it's true though no it's it's, it's true though it's, there's nothing else that happens i don't think so maybe uh, i don't know maybe he lives in jamaica in a couple of caribbean books, but not jamaica interesting mm. well let's let's start with the with the plot we, we don't need to get into every paragraph every, every chapter necessarily but th this one certainly we have to start with the beginning um for so many reasons this is a direct sequel to a very particular book which ended in a very particular fashion which therefore needs to begin in a very particular uh, this one needs to begin in a very particular fashion you know bond is brainwash there's an assassination assassination attempt pardon me on m and all of it is dealt with in about three or four chapters to your point simon what do we make of this first portion of the book the notion that he's brainwashed the notion that we're back to basics by chapter four or five is this too much let's start with uh emory what, what, what do you make of this uh frankly uh, interesting hook <laughs> well the i think the the opening part of it was was really um 
well done. I mean, the whole how he he gets back in with the, the hoops he has to jump through just to get to M, M's kind of decision to to, to let him through and and kind of trusting um, that he's going to be able to get through to Bond and, and etc. And, and then deciding well uh, as. Um, as kind of a reward and punishment, I'm going to send him to his near certain death against Scaramanga um, in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. I think what's what's kind of missing after that is there there is a jump where he's he's they finish all that up and then they do the whole the chapter with the briefing and everything that that kind of is um, quite like Simon said it's comforting. It's, it's we're back into what Fleming does and and this is really Fleming formulaic but then it's bang he's in Jamaica and we kind of mm-hmm. miss a whole part where um in other books where there would be more introspection from Bond and this is where kind of like some character development could have been done there could have been some more internal monologue and, and internal dialogue from from Bond that I was kind of expecting in the chapter after um rather than him just sitting in uh in the airport you know staring mm-hmm. at luggage and and picking up the newspaper uh, i mean he does kind of figure things out and 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 gets on you know scaramanga's trail from there which is kind of tracks kind of doesn't track i found, found that a little bit odd i think there's maybe something a little missing there that could have helped us along but right i think that that progression there, there, there's there's some spots in the book where there's some introspection, some reflection that could have happened. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's like the main part that the bridge mm-hmm. between that, that beginning and then the rest of the book, there's, there's right. that bridge that's missing there for me that, that um, mm-hmm. kind of left me on uh, in French. We say, uh, there's, there's yeah, your, yeah. you're waiting wanting. for more. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, Simon. What's uh, what do you make of this uh, curious uh, first few chapters? Yeah, I mean, I really like all of the the very Fleming, the, the sort of the machinations of the Secret Service in terms of all right, the sort yeah. of fake phone calls. Yeah. And there's like a guy sat yeah. there by his paraffin heater pretending to somebody else, and then mm. uh, and then they sort of make him go through some hoops to sort of um, with a fake name and. Um, mm-hmm. the agents and all of that stuff. I, I find that really, all that sort of almost bureaucratic paperwork mm-hmm. machination. I mean, how realistic it is in terms of the secret service. <laughs> I think probably Fleming himself would admit that it's kind of fairly absurd, but it, it's it's really fun and it reads really well. And it does feel that those few first few chapters, I think it does feel quite, uh, Fleming does feel as if there's a bit of energy and a bit of vibrancy to all of this mm-hmm. uh, the, the machinations and I love the phrasing that happens a few times in Golden Gun and it happens in I think Live and Let Die or maybe even because in where Bond talks about the um the Russian machine he, he talks about um mm, yeah what's the phrase he, the he talks about almost the the machinations and the 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 Russian machine and how it sort of works as this kind of all these cogs and, and yeah. seeing a bit of that in terms of from the British Secret Service and Bond being the Russian agent, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Is marveling at the at the at the the mush, Russian machine or whatever. Um, that's really that's really fun. That's really um, interesting. And then Bond himself, where he's a little out of it, and he's got his um, his fake name, Frank West West McCote, uh, <laughs> passport, which I'm surprised hasn't been snuck into a movie. It's mm. just a kind of a random name. Um, yeah, and then uh, yeah, and then it almost does. I, I I agree with Emery where there's this sort of you got this 
it's a really good what, what do they call it a curtain raise at the start of a story where you've yeah. got assassination attempt although why nobody frisks bond where he seems to have this gun which is a cyanide it's not even a hidden pen or anything i think it's just a gun with, with cyanide he's got this, this yeah. so again that felt a little bit mm -hmm. could have done with a bit of polish and then and then you've got the 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 sheet the plate, yeah. really great um curtain raise oh my goodness bond's an assassin of m and and then suddenly yeah it's kind of six weeks later and then um, yeah it, he's We're back then, on the right track yeah it, so it does feel quite jarring um and the other point i was going to make is the something i i struggle with a little bit in in this book and and to some extent you ended it twice where bond feels too important in the world of secret espionage in the sense that uh, i don't know how common it is for for secret agents to be have their obituaries in, in around the world and and there's apparently so much interest from random people a year later that they're making prank calls pretending to be james bond and That's oh this, this person from the planet venus is is projecting <laughs> to, to bond's death and and i'm just thinking it, it, it's like the equivalent of mi6 today going up going on social media going oh one of our secret agents has died <laughs> it seems kind of pretty absurd and then felix mentions reading his obituary in in the american papers later in the yeah. that to me always stands out really where yeah. he's sort of too important um so that was just a, a, an observation and then the only other thing just to end on apparently may's been paying for a bond's house in chelsea for a out year out of pocket you know this that's a lot of a lot of change that's kind of why he's got some good savings but so for yeah a scottish anyway. housekeeper who you know what's meant you know she's probably not making that much bankroll from bond you know she's just a housekeeper <laughs> yeah that's some hefty rent being covered there but yeah but again that that but that almost feels that that same thing of okay and we're back we're back to bond's back yeah. he's got his chelsea flat it's it's sort of just back to normal it's it's kind of these little um mm. tie-ups of just these stories um yeah so but it's fun i like all that that early stuff but, yeah, it's definitely it. shocking it's definitely shocking i appreciate the point about uh prank callers uh <laughs> pretending to be james claiming to be james bond that i i, I didn't think of bringing that up for for, for the show because it's such a, a detail but it is an interesting one i'm glad you brought that one up simon because it is it's curious like why how many people on that day on that morning drinking their cup of Earl gray spotted that ad and said you know what i'm gonna do tomorrow i'm gonna call in my What's going on here? What, what universe does this book take place in? Um, and there's there's also the fact that about how we're back to basics. Have we been as we've been saying already? In one of uh, James Bond's inner thought monologues, there, there's the notion of well, how how efficient the uh, unbrainwashing, the the deprogramming was with the little electrodes and. You know, had this been in the United States, they never would have been able to shock him that many times. But because he's James Bond, he was able to take it. It's all very, it's all very easy. Uh, the, the the return to back the basics is very easy, and, and that is maybe a little sign that this is. I don't want to say a first draft. I don't know how desperate the publishing house would have been to publish a first draft, but but. Yeah, there's maybe a little, a slight lack of polish where uh, it is a little bit like the end of the book. And I don't mean to go to the end right away, but when Bond is 
is uh, poisoned by one of Scaramanga's bullet and the doctors say, oh, well, thank goodness we have this doctor who knows an anti-snake poison. I'm like, what? Very What's specific, very specific. <laughs> Speaking of going back to basics, there, there's a reason why we go back to basics and it's a, it's a one letter word, M or two letters, E-M, as it's mentioned a few times in this book. I couldn't help but notice that this is the second consecutive book where M is facing a fork in the road regarding 007. Do I can this, Mother Fekisher, because like this is not looking good, or do I give him a mission so he can redeem himself? It's the second book in a row. What does that say maybe about the character of, of M and maybe the relationship between Bond and M? Let's start with Simon now. Yeah, actually, from I, I really like the slightly darker tone to to this particular mission. Where how I read it, it's almost as if M's giving him a suicide mission. He's giving him this sort of. Whereas with Doctor No, when you had James Maloney, again, there's kind of similarities between mm. James Maloney going, "Is he up to it? Is he not up to it? Let's give him a job in Jamaica, and then he only lived twice. Is he up to it? Is he not up to it? Let's give him a." more of a diplomatic kind of job that that however that goes with that that particular book and this it feels more of a i, I kind of wish they'd they'd explored it a bit more where there's a sense of the darker idea of of the, because m doesn't really trust bond i mean he sort of does but he it would have been actually kind of nice if it was a, a job that he knew almost was going to be a suicide mission and he was kind of, I don't know, explored some of that ambiguity mm -hmm. a bit more because he sent him sent him on some pretty dark missions before, but this is a real sense of can we trust him? Is he a Russian agent? Or how mm -hmm. about we send a Russian agent to go and kill a, a potential other Russian agent or, right. or certainly a, another rival agent? And if he dies, he dies. And, and that's kind of... Uh, there's, there's something that, that I think again is lacking that polish but could have been explored quite effectively um or something that i certainly take when i read the book and i mm -hmm. would threaded throughout it and i wish bond had been a bit more unhit not unhinged kind of crazy <laughs> the book. but little hints of it there's there's one hint when he shoots the pineapple off the woman's head yeah. where you get the sense that he's still a little bit kind of crazy or he's a bit the darker element kind of creeps in but i wish there'd been a little bit more of that throughout the book mm -hmm. and and sort of toying a bit more with the with that with the assassin dark suicidal part that the mm -hmm. m's almost chosen a mission that he doesn't want to send any other agents to i mean the previous agent had his kneecap shot out i think yeah. and it talks about yeah. so it's really dark mm -hmm. and so he's kind of okay well i don't want i, I don't want to give bond a, 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 a tropical mission like in Doctor No, where he says, "Oh, it's a you know, walk on the beach," or or a sort of more of a almost administrative mission in Yeniv twice. It's more of a diplomatic. Mm -hmm. This is almost a very kind of he's going to go out there, he's going to kill someone, he's probably going to die, but then it kind of gets this problem out of my hands. So it's kind of a bit of a, mm -hmm. more of a darker complexity, yeah. which isn't really explored, like I say, but is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Emery, what do you uh, what do you make of this uh, decision by M? Well, I, I think it's kind of you know if if he does it, he redeems himself. If he doesn't do it, then well, that's his punishment for having 
tried to kill me. And, you know, the whole, this the kind of way I say it's just, you know, damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. Um, mm. if, he, if he gets through mm. with it and the chances in M's mind were low, um, then, you know, he gets it done. I mean, he gets he gets a knighthood out of it, which, you know, the, that, that, that kind of bothered me as well because, I mean, if he's getting a knighthood for that, why wouldn't he have been offered it, you know, for something like Thunderball, which had more international implications? We're talking about one assassin in the Caribbean that was wreaking havoc on on sugarcane fields. I mean, is, is the queen really touching that much of the sugarcane profits because it's a colony of of Britain that she should be handing formally, out knighthoods for formally. starting formally for starting for stopping one assassin so that that was kind of i mean that's kind of blown out of proportion i think he kind of wanted to to finish the bond series on a high note i think he kind of knew that this was the last one he was getting out or one of the last ones he was going to get out um and yeah the whole i i think one of the things that kind of maybe lacks not substance but kind of one of the things that they could have maybe done a little bit better or could have been added um in, in another review is you know you send bond on this on the suicide mission after he was brainwashed uh with little to no supervision i think that if they had maybe integrated a little bit more of a storyline with ross uh seeing as ross gets killed in in mm -hmm. trinidad and, and bond was just there and and scaramanga was just there had they kind of weaved in that Ross was was surveying Bond, you know, if we had an mm -hmm. extra chapter in there of the the bouncing around the tropics and and you know mm -hmm. Ross is there from afar and then he gets, you know, he could have gotten killed, you know, caught in the crossfire or caught in like right. you know, and, and Bond is un unbeknownst to Bond that you know Scaramanga is in his in his sights or 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 right. Scaramanga's got him in his sights and things like that. There could have added a little bit of element of. Okay, so M sends him on this mission and doesn't trust him, and it's and is watching him mm -hmm. setting out another double O or something could have been valuable as well. So I think there's there's some of that part of the story that's it's underdeveloped. I mean, it's it's it works for me, um, just because you know he gets this punishment and and, and this yeah. chance at redemption, um, and then you know. I have in mind of what happens next in the Horowitz book. It's like, okay, well, then they, mm -hmm. they, they get him back, he survives, and they say, okay, we'll flip him. He's a double agent. We're going to double up on how dangerous the mission is mm -hmm. uh, and send him back. So I think the, the yeah, I, I think that the, the story itself is a little bit weak, and then it, it kind of gets boosted up in the next, we'll call it the next book. The next book kind of. Mm -hmm brings that back into to, to value mm -hmm. kind of like you know um buttons that up a little bit better so there's 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 some stuff that could have been done just slightly better that that whole like i said that, that transition between the brainwashing and the the deprogramming and then the mission there, there's a bridge there mm -hmm. that that bothers me and it could have been handled a, a bunch of different ways and and m the, the way that he kind of like mm -hmm. it starts it stops like starkly and coldly and we're sending him to his death and then happy time in Jamaica. <laughs> it, yeah. Th th those are some interesting points that you two have highlighted. I, I didn't quite think of it or see it that way in so far as not only would M be washing his hands of the uh, potential problem that is James Bond, but it's also perhaps a little bit telling as to how the double O section worked. Well, if you screw up a mission or perhaps if you are a traitor, uh, there's no 
uh, trial for you. There's no court for you. They'll yeah. just do something to eliminate you, which is uh, perhaps speaks a, a certain volume about how that how that department works. But maybe you sign up for that job one day when you hand in your CV to be a double O. I, I, I don't know. I thought that was that was kind of interesting. Scaramanga. Um, I feel there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you know, can he whistle? Can he not whistle? What is that in? <laughs> The, the backstory and all that, you know, it's the final novel. We've encountered so many villains, a few of which have been quite particular and peculiar, I should say. Scaramanga, from the file, from his backstory, from how he presents himself and behaves, what's our, what's our feel for Scaramanga as a villain in the larger Bond narrative? What say you, Simon? Um, I do find him quite um, undercooked. Um, it feels as if it's a bit of a mashup of other other villains. You've got this, especially when he's reading the dossier, and there's the sort yeah. of oh, he's a sexual deviant, just like the chief was mentioned, or and 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 I think there's some elements which aren't really fleshed out where. In the book, at one point, it talks about him being quite quiet and quite brooding and quite mm -hmm. cynical, like a snake. But in the book itself, he's talking quite a lot, which I guess is hard to to. You can't quite do the silent, deadly type in a book, particularly. Yeah. But um, and there's a bit too many goofy elements where he's meant to be this sort of threatening villain, or he's set up as this threatening, deadly assassin, but he's bouncing on a trampoline in his underwear. <laughs> He's he hires Bond as a as a job without much sort of it, it just seems to be, come out of nowhere. Even yeah. when he sort of um, goes into the hotel room when Bond and Goodnight are there, and then he sort of lets Goodnight go, but then obviously there's a mannequin on the track, and it's kind of it. it he's kind of a bit of a yeah. I don't know if it's. I, I think I like my Bond villains when they're really intelligent and always sort of chess mm -hmm. moving ahead. And Scaramanga doesn't really have that. I mean, maybe that's the point as well. I don't know, but it doesn't make a very compelling. If they'd have either lent into he's just this thuggish, unpredictable gangster, that's one thing, mm. or they he's this chess master guy. But he's sort of a bit halfway between the two. And I, and I think the, the element that I think is slightly, and when he and then the thing that Fleming did in Goldfinger as well, where the villain just hires Bond as a as an assistant. It's just such an odd, odd <laughs> device. But if they'd have done something with it where he was using that as a way to then frame Bond for something later on in the story, like I, I think that's the plot of Training Day and and, and um, Psycho Two. I think has has got a sort of we'll get we'll get the person on our side. But in fact, I'm thinking that he's going to get use that as a way to deflect from my stuff and get him framed or something. But mm -hmm. he just sort of hires him going in one chapter he just goes hey you're you look like a tough guy um you smell like a cop which i might be referenced in diamonds are forever i think there's a line where he says you smell like a cop and i was thinking oh i think they might have used that in the film um <laughs> diamonds are forever but anyway yeah and he, so he just hires him as his security detail but it's not really a twist to to how that sort of plays out and and it so it just makes scaramanga a bit of a chump a lot of the time and mm. so yeah that that's my that's my take. It's, it's, it's interesting because to the point about 
how and, and why he hires Bond as his, as his security intel uh, personnel later when Hendricks, the Soviet, he's Dutch, but he's a Soviet agent, mm. inquires as to how did you find this, this police, police, how did you find the details? And Scaramanga literally just says, look, I was in a bar. <laughs> Mark Hazard was there. Or this James Bond was there, and uh, look, I was short on time, and I had some cash to, to hire him. So, so even the explanation, Scaramanga's own explanation as to why Bond is in this mess, is, but it, it's a bit limp. It's a bit limp. Um, Emery, what 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 what, uh, what sort of a feel do you have for the Scaramanga character? Yay, nay, somewhere in the middle. Who's Scaramanga? You forgot he's the villain of the book. It's um. You know, you I, I, sometimes you want to kind of indirectly compare it to the film and, and how they did it in the film. I mean, it's it's kind of two different things. They didn't really use any of Scaramanga's aspects in the movie, uh, other than the guns, of course. Mm. But it, it's because there's there's so little substance there in the book. Uh, I think to, to Simon's point, he's he's a thug. I mean, he's just he's just this, what what I believe is he's not deserving of the knighthood at the end. It's he's just a simple assassin, mm -hmm. and not not like a heavily prolific one i mean he's not like the legendary carlos the jackal um which was you know he was mm -hmm. a proper terrorist and assassin scarmaga is just a goon um working for for castro um or allegedly working for castro and i think one of the things that fleming failed to do in this book is kind of like give him a, a solid association with something or, or someone or some organization other than this loose affiliation of gangsters who are running a hotel and just seem to be running some sort of money laundering scheme, mm -hmm. uh, it seems like it would be more something to, you know, for for local police to to deal with than, you know, what what, what British interests are mm -hmm. we really protecting here? Other than you know the sugar plantations of Jamaica, what why do we have to have you know Bond necessarily involved in this? What has he done other than? You know, he's he's killed a couple of agents, and that's that's you know one reason to eliminate him. But I mean, is he that? I don't think that he's as dangerous as Blofeld or as mm -hmm. important as Goldfinger. Yeah. I think he's more of um, the assassin in that um, the the one who killed them's family, uh, the Havlocks. And oh, um, yeah, I always get confused with the short story "View to a Kill." Um, Hammerstein, free eyes only. Yeah. Um, so th th there's a lot of similarities with that character is not super fleshed out. He's just an assassin, uh, loosely affiliated with the Cubans. Like where's the, where, for, for me, it's where's the connection to Smirsh? Where's the connection to the KGB? Where's the connection to, to something that's going to upset a world power? He's not out there for Scaramanga. He's just a thug. He's, he's just out there. He's an assassin. There's no, there's, there's no implication other than, you know, we've, we've got a good money wandering scheme here. We've got, we're, we're hedging our, our bets on, on this plantation money and on the, the sugar cane money. Um, uh, there, there's a little bit of marijuana involved. I mean, there, there's, it's a, it's a lot of repeating other themes in this book. Uh, there, there's nothing that's absolutely original. Uh, I find in this book. Hmm. Absolutely. Oh, interesting. Um, you know what? I'm listening to your answers, to both of your answers. I think there are a lot of salient points there. If I were to to wager a counterattack, and then mind you, it's not necessarily the strongest one. And I will even start this counterpoint with the notion that it's probably not sufficiently developed, hence another weakness of the book. But I do like this notion of a thug, to your point, Amory, who 
despite being a thug, somehow finds himself at the center of uh, Russian Soviet agents, Fidel Castro, American gangsters. All of these people are supposed to be rivals, by the way. They should not be mm-hmm. bedfellows. They should not be sharing pillows. <laughs> Uh, and yet here they are, and who is at the center of all of it? This thug. I like that concept. To me, that suggests that there is something else going on here, that Scaramanga is not quite the simple thug that we might believe him to be. But it's just a concept. I mean, it's there on the page in the sense yeah. that, well, here are all these characters in the same room, and Fidel Castro's mentioned. So there are enough hints that that feed me that subplot, that sub-theme to the book, but maybe it's not develop, developed enough. So I, I would maybe go to bat and say there's maybe a little bit more uh, than, than we're giving credit, but there's it lacks some meat on the bones, perhaps. Because why would this thug be at the center of all this uh, political and gambling right. and ganja and, and sugarcane action, which concerns Cuba, which concerns the Soviet Union, which concern, now concerns the Americans. Uh, it doesn't make any sense if he's just a thug. Clearly there's something else going on, but maybe there's a chapter missing it, it's, somewhere. Right it's now. too loose of, a, of an association to say, well, we've got four hoods from the States that are in gambling and hotels, uh, and we've got the KGB, who's obviously got the Cuban connection. But why is the KGB there? Like, what is his reason for being there other than, you know, we're just loosely associating with, okay, well, there's Cuba's right there and Cuba's communist and KGB, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you know, things hadn't been going well for the Soviets mm-hmm. in Cuba. Um, and it was a struggle there. And so, but why why is he there? Why is he investing money in this hotel? Um, and why is he investing money in this, this whole scheme for the, I mean, what's his investment in it? What's the KGB's implication in it? Uh, other than, you know, slightly financial. So is this guy supposed to be the new Lashif? Is he supposed to be the new, you know, uh, KGB accountant? The, these hoods, I mean, I, I, what, uh, what was nice about, about, about Spectre was they had members from many different organizations uh, all working together. And mm-hmm. I think there's just maybe a lack of representation from maybe something else other than, mm-hmm. well, we've got the gangsters like in Diamonds Are Forever, and we've got KGB like half the other books. There's missing like a new element of of it's it just just seems like you know crime. It just seems a lot like uh, a little bit like Goldfinger with the criminal mm. investment. Mm-hmm. This is, it's a little bit like Diamonds Are Forever. It's a little bit like um, uh, Risco, uh, the, the short story with the with the drug running and and etc. Right, right, right. It's a little bit of everything, and it just doesn't come out clear and say like, well, you know, the KGB is here because they have this plan and this is mm-hmm. why they need the money and they're trying to, you know, boost their finances. There was a reason why Lashif was doing what he was doing in Casino Royale. He had lost a bunch of money and he needed to make it back because he was, you know, you know, he had a little mm-hmm. sideline. Yeah. Why is this KGB guy here? Is it a sideline? Is he trying to boost funds? Is he trying to finance something? Mm-hmm. Is something happening in Cuba? We kind of ignore mm-hmm. the whole Cuba thing. We just stall out in Jamaica. Yeah, I know there's a bit of an info dump as uh, Bond is listening listening into a a conversation between Hendrix and Scaramanga. And for a few paragraphs, this is in the latter part of the book, for a few paragraphs, there's a bit of an info dump or, okay, uh, so they're going to sell uh, marijuana to the States. Scaramanga will get a cut. 
the how is the KGB? <laughs> the KGB satisfied with disrupt disrupting the political situation? Because I think the old version of Jamaica, when it was a British colony, they never would have allowed those things. But now that it's independent, they're going to allow it, and the Soviet yeah. Union would like to see the corruption take over. The, but it's all a little okay. I sort of see it. I sort of see where you're going with this, but it's not very finite. It's not very, it's not very definitive. There needed to be a clear directive from mm. you know Hendricks and the KGB. It's like we need the money because we're doing this, and it could have involved mm. Cuba again. Like I mean, we just had the Cuban Missile Crisis. It was all fresh in in the mm. minds at that time of the writing. Mm. KGB needs money to do this in Cuba. Mm -hmm. Period. Mm -hmm. We know what the mafia is involved in. They they just want money. They're trying to. They're laundering their money. Mm -hmm. That's why they're involved. Why does why is the KGB involved? They need money to do this. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. was kind of missing for me. Uh, speaking of Caribbean islands, uh, we're back in Jamaica. I'll preface this by saying it's been a little while since I've read *Live and Let Die* and and *Doctor No*. Even the Fleming Second Edition episodes were recorded a couple of years ago at this stage, close to a couple of years ago. So it's been a minute. I don't feel like we're quite in the same country in this book. I mean, it's called Jamaica, but we're going to a brothel. Uh, the buildings don't look as interesting. Most of the book is spent on a uh, semi-functioning hotel near a swamp. Um, the notion of going back to basics and going back to Jamaica, what, what, is, what sensation are you getting with the version of Jamaica we get in this, this book? Maybe, maybe you think it's a fantastic version of Jamaica. I actually think it's a little bit uh, um, not sloppy as far as Fleming's writing is prose, but it's just a murkier version of Jamaica. I don't want to go to this Jamaica. I want to go to the live and let die in Dr. No Jamaica. I don't want to go to this Jamaica. It's definitely, to me, the, the seedy underbelly parts of Jamaica are mm. seemingly explored more maybe that's in keeping with the whole tone of the book actually where it is a more of the complexity the yeah the, the living that die and doctor no it's feels much more exotic much more tropical much more glamorous in a lot of ways um whereas yeah this is is everything's either falling apart the the hotel half finished it's kind of stinky swamps out the back it's mm -hmm. I think people are talking about sort of one sort of sunburn or it's just all it's just a, and it's up in it's it I think it's really far north of the island I think I'm trying to remember mm -hmm. I know I know it's quite it seems to be quite a ways out so it does seem as if it's this sort of hidden away slightly dank slightly gross art and it's all sort of brothels and and it's kind of this sort of more criminal underworld and I, I like the idea of a half-built hotel as a backdrop. I think it's, it's a really interesting framework, but it does not really develop that much. And and, mm, yeah. and to sort of reference Emery's point from earlier, the stake the stakes of the whole story just aren't that big scale. Where you get a bunch of gangsters talking around, sat around talking about property investments and sugar cane and and third large property deals and stuff it's, it's kind of it, it doesn't seem as as sort of fantastical and, and ex as as exotic as a doctor no adventure mm. um and that sort of again maybe that's sort of the point or maybe that's definitely a tonal uh, connection but it's yeah it doesn't make it particularly 
some of the some of the scenes in the um in the hotel where bond there's almost one whole chapter which is just bond listening at a keyhole to people mm -hmm. talking about property investments and and sugarcane yeah. developments yeah. Yeah. it's kind of interminable and 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 even the the ending with the sort of the swampy stuff i like the atmosphere of it but yeah. it, it is something very even that train is just a bit kind of janky and kind of it's, mm. it's very it's very odd um and i and, I, and I, i'm trying to think if i if i would have liked in terms of the scaramanga villain either if it had been a I'm, I'm trying to think of what i would have liked possibly more if either he'd been a pawn of somebody else so he's this sort of person that like you say is kind of dumped into this worldwide okay crime element but he's sort of slightly out of his depth um for some reason when you're talking i was reminded of um the movie robocop where you've got clarence bodica who's this kind of criminal scumbag mm. but he's okay. he's, a, he's sort of in amongst all this kind of corporate mm. corporate espionage slightly governmental mm. cover-up but he's just this mm. kind of slightly un, unintelligent thuggish guy who's sort of dumped in the middle of mm. it so that's he's either a, a bit of a pawn or somebody else or he is just this thuggish kind of gangster who's who has happens to have stumbled into this mm -hmm. and bond almost can't read him because bond's so used to dealing with the complexities of, of mm -hmm. intelligence or or, mm -hmm. or even just bond's own sense of moral compass and you've got this guy who's just this thuggish brutal character <laughs> that bond just can't kind of relate to i think that could almost have been an interesting angle mm -hmm to have gone but it doesn't really pick a lane either way mm. um so yeah so so yeah that's my no thought. that's that's interesting and i i, I want to get to emory but uh interesting clarence boniker that's an interesting comparison it, it's funny I, I feel as though i couldn't tell you in which of the flemings but i know and maybe it happens more than once but i know fleming in the past has described the villain's gaze and it's almost as if the villain is looking past James Bond, not even looking at James Bond, probably already three steps ahead is what he's thinking about what they're going to do to James Bond. And that doesn't happen in this one. He seems to have a bit of a an angry stare, but there's nothing. And, and this bleeds out of your point, Simon. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot more there. And maybe that's why Bond can't read him. He's like, well, he's not looking past me. He could be a little <laughs> bit dumb. <laughs> I don't know. It's very dismissive. I mean, it's very, you know, there, there's no, um, like he, in the, the, the one of the long-winded conversations he has, and it's the one that he has with Hendricks, it's just, you know, he, he says he's just going to dispose of him. You mm -hmm. know, he's just disposable. I don't, I don't really care. Um, I think that's it's some of the weaker points of Scaramanga uh, in that is, one, I, I would have liked to have, to have him, I would like for him to have been um, more Latino, more Hispanic. Like I, the the American accent okay. kind of threw me for a loop. Is like, well, if he's if he's Cuban and he's been in the Caribbean all his life, and he's like, wouldn't he have a little bit more of a Cuban? Why does he have such an American accent? And also, to to, to your point, Simon, if he if he's just a thug, shouldn't he he could be controlled by someone else? It would make more sense. Which would make more sense of why the KGB is involved. Like, does he have a debt to the KGB, or has he mm -hmm. gotten himself? You know, there could have been some vice that got got him in trouble. A bit like if you're going to use so many elements from different stories, why don't you use the the elements from from Casino Royale and say, you know, wish Wachif had mm -hmm. a reason to be so 
deeply indebted to to Smirsch is that he had a vice uh, and he messed up and you know he needed to repay in both um, the book and both mm-hmm. the, the film like you know he's he's got a vice he's taking chances um, if if Scaramanga had some sort of vice and that he was in debt to the KGB and he had to absolutely mm-hmm. pay them back or if there was you know um, there, there, there's there's it's too loose. Everything is just too loose in this book. Uh, in terms of the story, the train. I found the train to be strange as well. Um, I mean, that's it, also it, like diamonds are forever. Yeah, but I mean, this is like a really is like a toy train almost. Like it's because it's the miniature, it's the narrow gauge, and you know, I think about trains and stuff like that, and I just think of Thomas the Tank Engine. You know, it's just to me, it's like you talk about the narrow gauge engines, and I'm just thinking about when my kids used to watch Thomas the Tank Engine. I would watch hours upon hours of 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 that stuff, and you just kind of think of like, Whoa. so I've got him on this jolly train with this big face, and it's you know it's black and gold, and it's and you know this is typical Fleming. He's very dismissive of all the servants, you know, and uh, and all that. And there's there's I had to Google so many terms. Um, that I just wasn't sure if I should be cringing or not, you know, because it's Fleming. Was it necessary to? But anyway, that's that's another discussion for another time. It's also time. one of those things. It's it's again. I think it's and we've had this conversation, particularly with Live and Let Die. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Pun, but no one. pun intended. Where it's like, I think he finds Fleming was too uh, erudite and too smart to really engage in, in, in pathetic language and, and pathetic outlooks on life. And he was too sophisticated for that. Right. But at the same time, he was also a little bit too naive to maybe word some of these things in palatable yeah. fashions. And I, and I think one of the things that you, we retain from Fleming is, is he, he, he insulted everyone equally. There was not, you know, one person from one walk of life that was that was less insulted or more insulted than another he 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 hated everyone equally um but at the same time but then then why isn't scaramanga latino that's kind of like why make him american he's got the we're gonna borrow a hispanic name and put him in a very hispanic place but give him an american accent and that kind of just that didn't jive well with me you know what uh i want to touch on that if just briefly because we have this we still have a lot to talk about i'm glad you brought that one up um, Emery, because now I'm a firm believer in review the book that is, remu- review the film that is. Don't review the movie you wanted to watch. Don't review mm-hmm. the book that you wanted to read. But I didn't think about that point. You did, and you brought it up. That actually would have added a whole interesting dynamic because now you have a Latino, you have a Dutchman, and you have Americans, and maybe they don't yeah. get along. Maybe they're okay. So we have to work together because everybody needs to make some money. But we also hate each other's guts. And now Bond is in the middle of all this, and Bond is a British. Uh, so that that could have been interesting. But to your point, yeah, he's he has Hispanic background, but he's really an American for all intents and purposes. He's, he has yeah. a Hispanic name, but he's an American. Um, yeah, yeah, interesting. He sounds um, like Milton Crest when I was when I was reading. Yeah. I, I was listening to the audio book, but also when I was actually reading the book. Even in the book, he sounds very American, and he mm. sounds yeah, it's weird because he's described almost as if he's this very quiet, sort of brooding, snake-like mm. character. But all all his dialogue and his phraseology and his "Hey, Limey" and all of that stuff, yeah, straight out of the Milton <laughs> Crest dialogue. Um, and yeah, so it does seem, yeah, jar, jarring. Um, I mean, I, I imagine when I was reading the book, I was imagining uh, Lee Van Cleef or or Ricardo Montalban. If we, if you go more 
Mm. Um, he played Khan in Star Trek Two. Um, that kind of character, but the dialogue doesn't seem to quite lend itself mm. to that. But that's sort of how I how I sort of imagined the character. And I, I will say just before I forget, um, I really like the scene when Scaramanga is first introduced. I think it creates a lot of tension where he's upstairs. He seems to have gotten from the airport really quickly. I don't know if I've missed something because he's he's coming back from trinidad i think and bonds yeah. at the airport and then bond goes and does something and then he's suddenly at the, at the at love lane brothel is it mm -hmm. seems as if there's a bit of a timeline weirdness going on there anyway and bond sat there having his beer and he comes down and there's that immediate tension in the air mm -hmm. and that sort of thuggish atmosphere that again is kind of interesting i think in that in that chapter it's explored quite well where bond doesn't quite get him and, and then and then he shoots the the two birds really um kind of out of the blue as well so it's quite this, this sort of thuggish shocking um reaction that bond mm -hmm. again is 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 really taken by and again it's a very fleming e, 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 you know violence against birds equals evil because we had that in live and let die and i think that, yeah. and milton crest i think is cruel to fish or birds yeah. as well so mm -hmm. so again it's kind of his default oh this guy is obnoxious and horrible but all of that section and then when he's talking to bond and there's that sort of undercurrent of tension mm -hmm. bonds holding a gun and he says oh you smell like a cop or whatever and mm -hmm. and and all of that i think is 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 classic fleming i think is a lot of tension a lot of mm -hmm. atmosphere and the sort of sweltering brothel and the and the mm. woman behind the bar and tiffy and all of that stuff i think it's really well done but it's just a shame there's not as many sequences like that later on in in the book um where i think it that's and again i, I don't want to do um what you're saying Edgar, is i'm trying not to review the book that it wasn't but i think i think <laughs> that could have been interesting areas where bonds sort of brainwashing and he's kind of he still can't quite get yeah. his groove back or if he's pledging he's having to go up against the kgb later in the story or or, yeah. or his sort of the darker parts of him are starting to creep out or that the competitive part which mm -hmm. in the belly lick chapter i think is quite well done where yes where scaramanga is very good at pushing his buttons and again if it was in that thuggish way but bond can't quite deal with it could have mm -hmm. actually been quite interesting so mm. it's, it's sort of elements in there but again it, it, it's a shame that it wasn't mm. quite quite continued continued on speaking of reading scaramanga bond the character trying to read and failing perhaps how about trying to shoot scam i feel we have to touch on this one of the big moments in this book is when bond has scaramanga's brains within uh, sight and ops out of it and i'll also add into my question to you gentlemen the climax where bond almost dies because again there's this hesitation uh about the idea of killing in cold blood um now it's nice to have an an honorable hero i think we like our heroes to be a little bit honorable but bitch please uh you know <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what do we make of these two especially the first one the, the second one i also find the second one a little bit strange it, considering this is the end of the book and bond has seen what scaramanga can do and he's still not going to shoot him uh, but the first one is like, come on, bro. Um, Emery, 
talk to me. Uh, talk to me like I'm a child. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I think that that's one of the issues with the book is the, the of character development. I mean, why is he hesitant to do it? I mean, to do we could have obviously Fleming could have just you know written something about the brainwashing, giving him a difficulty to pull the trigger and things like that. And, and the first instance he has to to do it is early on in the book when he gets in the car with him. Um, that I can understand. Like, I mean, it would have been the perfect shot. I mean, he would have done it, bang, finished, get out of Jamaica, book's over. We could have turned that into a short story. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I understand that he kind of wants yeah. to push it, but why does he want to push it? He doesn't have anything to go on. He has no inclination of what he might be up to. Now he wants to investigate him before he kills him. Uh, that I can understand him missing the first shot. The second one, I can also understand too, because there's too many people around. How is he going to get out of there alive? He's going to have to kill all these gangsters once they find out what he's done, or you know, he's, he's got to run for the hills. He has an out with Mary Goodnight. It could have mm -hmm. potentially worked really well. Lighter's there to back him up. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the second one, he could have had a great opportunity to do it, get it done books over um then deal with the kgb guy what it made mm -hmm. maybe sense that you know the kgb guy has a couple of guys with him and and that you know kind of turns the climax of the book mm -hmm. towards a greater russian implication into the story right. uh but again we're not reviewing the book that that would be we're reviewing the book that was um it, it's it's kind of a long drawn out thing like he doesn't take the, the all these opportunities um he doesn't take the opportunity to jump off the train earlier he's hesitating on that we don't really get a a uh, an understanding of why he's taking his time mm -hmm. to do this fighter is screaming at him to jump off the <laughs> goddamn train and he's just not doing it um if there was more like the introspection and reflection of bond of why he's not doing it because he's having you know convulsions or seizures or you know mm -hmm. uh, backtracking from from all that um it is it is a bit weirdish in that in that sense. Simon, the floor is yours. Bond even has the audacity to complain that Felix didn't kill Scaramanga in the train. You know, he's going, Why didn't, why didn't Felix do the do the kill shot after he yeah, shot? Him in the train? Yeah. And oh and there is God. also another point in chapter six where Jesus. Bond mentioned when he first sits down with Scaramanga, and there's a little moment I'm sure there as as well. So there's a there's a third point where he he runs it through his head of oh why don't i just shoot him now mm. yeah, and then yeah, and then yeah. he so it, it's almost sort of yeah so you've had two two points and then the third point in the in the swamp mm. and mm. it and, and you're right i mean if they'd have explored that of his programming or his sort of i've been worn down by killing even though he's been killing gangsters and jamaicans and stuff um yeah with 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 like no yeah, not even a thought really like just, <laughs> it really descriptively explained how hendrix's head explodes as well yeah. it's quite graphic that that part i was quite surprised but um, and, and hendrix has done nothing to him it's just you know he's kgb bang he's gone <laughs> yeah so it's yeah it is very yeah again it feels very sloppy it feels um and, and it's a shame because again i think you're right i think there's not a lot of opportunity for bond's complexity or his sort of still feeling more unhinged or mm. even in casino royale there's there's that chapter where he's talking about killing a, 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 in i think it's when he's after the torture scene and there's the sort of or maybe it's when he's having dinner with vesper but you know he's talking about the the his 
double oh eight getting his double o status and he talks about mm -hmm, mm -hmm, the nature mm -hmm. of nature of evil and the nature of killing mm -hmm. and all of that stuff and that's yeah. in the first book and so yeah. it's sort of there is potential for exploring bonds and, and it, yeah it just doesn't seem it just unfortunately it makes bonds seem a, a bit of a chump and it and it <laughs> doesn't make scaramanga particularly intelligent <laughs> as a villain because he's hiring bonds who keeps having opportunities to kill him and, mm. and Scaramanga keeps having opportunities to kill Bond and doesn't yeah. really do no it and capitalizes on any of this. Hires him and then goes, Oh, make sure you're not listening at the keyhole and then does his mm. does his little check and Bond puts the puts the champagne glass down, pretends to be drinking, and then goes back to it. And it just makes everybody seem not quite uh, there's there's a saying that the audiences respect people that are professional in stories mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so even if you don't like hannibal lecter you respect his intelligence and his mm -hmm. ability to, mm -hmm. it, it, you know people like people in they don't like know-it-alls but they like people who are really good at their jobs really good mm. you know, heist people or, or assassins or whatever and and it and, it, and so when it it hasn't got those two elements from your two lead protagonists mm -hmm. it does make the drama deflate maybe um it feels like one of those scripts and we've all seen patently mediocre films but would you you can just feel the cogs at work you know the point of this movie is to get to point z or z so these things have to happen because the point is to get to point z okay but the things that are happening to lead to point z are just dumb like why is the movie doing this and this there are moments there are fleeting moments in the book that that do uh, that do reek of that i i hate to be uh, to use such an intense term when speaking of a genius like fleming but they do i do get that whiff of well fleming wants this to end in the swamp with scaramanga eating a snake so bond can't shoot him now because there are too many people about man james bond can kill everybody in a room i don't think he's worried about killing a couple people in a car but anyway yeah exactly um we we haven't touched on on any of our uh actually you know what is there a leading lady in this book i guess by default mary goodnight it I is guess. mary goodnight who's a recurring character she she has some fleeting appearances in majesties and uh i think she's in you only live twice briefly what is she and i'm not asking this question pejoratively because i think there is some material there with mary goodnight but what what does she add to this story as a recurring character just as who she is as Simon. Well, what's, uh, what's your feeling about Mary Goodnight in here? Well, I have to say, actually, considering the whole book has a bit of a downbeat tone and a bit of a, a grim underbelly tone, her vibrancy and her sort of appearance actually mm -hmm. was quite welcome, I have to say, mm -hmm. yeah. um, because Bond's obviously not quite fully Bond, even though he basically is by halfway through the book, but he's still, there's this, and, and the whole tone so I actually quite like the fact that there's a there's a, a playful vibrancy mm -hmm. um, when Mary Goodnight does turn up. I mean, it, it's all very again, it's a very Fleming thing where she just rocks up and is immediately sort of in love with Bond, and and it's sort of oh yeah, okay, let's just start getting it getting it on, mm -hmm. um, and all of that stuff feels a bit rushed, um, but. Yeah, there's some nice. I, I I like some of the dialogue and some of her, um, the 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 repartee between the two of them. The sort of mm. poking fun at Bond's poking fun at her a little bit and her sort of prudishness around 
love lane and all of that stuff mm. is quite is quite funny and, and even the bit which is i mean it gets almost a bit farcical but when scaramanga bursts in and then there's this whole bit of her pretending to be some sort of that's good, diplomat's yeah. daughter or whatever and she's oh i've got to go and meet the, the the person from the horse club and it's and and it kind of goes on and on and on and on and it, and it kind of gets a bit of it's almost to the point of absurdity i mean she climbed through the window of of a random hotel room because she just knew that bomb was going to be there it's it's all a bit tenuous but there's something a bit more fun and playful than mm. the rest of the story i, I suppose so Mm. Yeah, Emery, uh, how do you like yay, nay, Mary, good night? Uh, I, I think she's a good uh, addition because I think it's, uh, there's um, there's some character development there for, on her behalf that um, that we didn't get. Like, I mean, we she she knew what window to go in because she knew that he wouldn't want the air conditioning on. He'd want to sleep with the windows open. So she knew that if she was going to climb into any window, or where Bond would be, would be the one with the window open because he likes the windows open. So it's kind of like these these intimate mm -hmm. details that she would know. And mm -hmm. we kind of have a lack of presence from from Money Penny. There's no Q scene. Um, I mean, we do get M and Tanner, which is the, you know the kind of sidekicks that we want or the kind of you know the the other characters mm. recurring characters we get to see but there's there's no q branch scene um there's no uh interactions with money penny really other than her being worried about james um good night is almost forgotten in the books because you know she's, she's no longer his secretary at one point just because he's dead um and to do mm. her to be just happened to be the secretary of the station chief in in jamaica is kind of one of those happy coincidences and i i didn't hate her character um i think it's it it, it adds to the um to the story a little bit um it, it gives him a, uh, an unlikely ally uh down there who does offer him some assistance. We bring up Strangways uh, again with his car being there and, and things like that. So there's kind of like a familiarity of like, this is still um, MI6 is Jamaica. We still, we're still in control. We still have, you know, a nice presence here. And I mean, she's, she's more than just a dumb blonde. I think that you kind of resolve a little bit of the sexual tension of her being his personal secretary. Mm -hmm. uh, and then them finally, you know, getting involved just because you know there's probably was some some tension there as mm -hmm. as being his his secretary and etc so I, I think it's it's a good addition to have her there um it's not uh, it's not odd it's it's um it's probably one of the better character developments in the book or the only one that really she she furthers her her development from from other stories so i, I i'm i'm very happy that she was there it does add a dimension to the story well, without her, other than Tiffy, who works behind the counter at uh, Three and a Half Love Lane, no, there really there are no women in this book. I mean, no. they're the dancers, but like they're not characters. No, um, they're not. It's, it's the only interactions he has with women are, are with those two. And mm -hmm. I mean, Money Penny is there briefly. Although I do like the little moment where Money Penny admits that to herself in her mind that she. She, res she M is the man she res she respects the most in her entire life, but she doesn't know if she actually likes him or hates his guts. <laughs> that was kind of interesting. Um, but you know, Mary, I I I concur. I'll echo your thoughts. I think she does bring some levity to the proceedings. It is a bit of a seedy book, a very seedy book. So her presence is lively. It's it's a brush of fresh air. I don't know, was it the Undertaker's wind or which yeah, one of them is refreshing? The but you know, she's like a, a a very sexy foe, very sexy foe, like Undertaker's wind. So I appreciated her presence. As to the coincidental nature of her presence there, it's a little weird. It's a little bit like the coincidental nature of him seeing the ad for three and a half blood lane in the paper and then yeah. 
again, is this a first draft? Because this is really reading like a first draft. Uh, I prefer to assume that it isn't, but it's reading like one. Um, but no, she she is fun. As to the dummy on the railroad, I think Simon, you were bringing that up earlier a few a while ago earlier in the show. You brought up the notion of the dummy. I was like, that's a strange. <laughs> I said, why not actually put Mary Goodnight on the rails? That was a bit of a strange thing not to do. It wasn't a strange thing to do. It was a strange thing not to do. I think it was Emery you said, no, she's a good ally in this book. Well, she's not the only ally in this book. Uh, we have Felix is back for the first time in a little while. And this additional character, we don't necessarily need to get into the other one because he's sort of a, a no-face, no-name person. But yeah. um, are there too many characters here? Like, are there, are there too many cooks in the kitchen here? Is, is, is what, about, uh, what about Felix? What about good old Felix, Simon? Felix. It definitely, when I was reading it this time, it definitely took away the tension of knowing that Bond's got a couple of allies covering his back. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, when it was him on his own, infiltrating a gang, I mean, I think License to Kill, not that you want to compare everything, but mm. I think License to Kill does a very good job of both Bond being the one to instigate teaming up with the villain rather than the villain just randomly offering, it's like Sanchez just randomly offering him a job because he saw him in the casino. It's just, <laughs> Bond actually has has the instigation of that and he's you know obviously he's got q and pam to some extent but he's kind of on his own whereas mm -hmm. you're sort of revealing that oh the guy behind the counter at the, the concierge and uh, nick nicholson or whatever i think is his name um, nick nicholson there's <laughs> oh, felix and it's this other guy as well and so they sort mm -hmm. of so it, it it definitely took away from the tension of bond mm -hmm. being on his own having to survive on his wits and, and so then he sort of someone knows where he is and someone knows that that where he's going or what he's off what he's up to and and so when he's sort of taken off to that train to the section when he's mm -hmm. taking the car with, to the train you sort of know that okay there's there's some agents that, have, that are sort of looking out for him so mm -hmm. I, I just it again it it feels as if it's fleming just going right i think there's a bit of a meta narrative to the whole book in terms of bonds Bond in the, the book itself and the Fleming's relationship to Bond in the public eye, mm -hmm. where the, the idea at the beginning that I mentioned, where the, all these people prank calling MI6 or Bond's really well known in the world, mm -hmm. that's sort of very much a, a sort of reflection on the, the, the literary yeah. Bond being really popular by that point. And then even by the end, it's sort of here's a knighthood for Bond because everybody knows him and it's a sort of honorable send off. And obviously the reality of the of the story that's that would never happen but the and and so i think even this idea of by chapter four six weeks later bond back to normal and here's felix and here's a sort of a mm -hmm. jamaican adventure and, and it does feel as if there's lots of these sort of fleming as, as i think emery mentioned earlier probably knew it was his last book or he's definitely getting quite mm -hmm. running running out of out of out of puff with it really and so maybe there was a bit of a sense of got to put this in there got to sort of wrap mm -hmm. up this thing let's just have a final adventure with felix let's have a sort mm -hmm. of final showdown with bond and mi mi6 honoring him with a knighthood or whatever and so mm -hmm. yeah it does it it feels a bit tagged on and, and a bit unnecessary in my view um it's always good to to, to have 
the connection with Felix, but it, it definitely felt a bit unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Emery, do you concur or, or do you think? Uh... I, I just think that the explanation of why Felix is there um, kind of needs to be investigated more or or that there needed to be more substance there because it's it's I think it's fine that he's there. I mean, the coincidental the coincidence that Mary Goodnight is there. Um, you didn't really need her in the second half of the book, to be honest. Like just the first half to give him the leg up and give him mm -hmm. a little boost and give him some resources would have been fine enough for me. And then have, you know, Felix take over the second half of, of the support of in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, because I mean Mary Goodnight coming back to the hotel room, it it brings absolutely to me it brought nothing to the story. Whereas Felix Leiter, um had we maybe given a bit more of a reason, I mean, there, there was a reason he was there, but I mean, a bit more of a reason, maybe mm. the KGB connection, because he's not there to protect Bond. He's there just coincidentally mm. bugging this hotel because they think there's something going on. So, you know, what is what is he investigating in regards to this? He's mm. obviously not investigating the sugarcane stuff because he's a simple Pinkerton's detective agency employee being redrafted into the cia for a special mission but the, the 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 scope of the mission doesn't seem to to scream his involvement is necessary um so i think that there, there needed to be a little bit more something more sinister going on for for felix to have been there but again we're, we're not reviewing what could have been we're reviewing what was and the fact that mm -hmm. he's there um the addition of of a, of a sidekick uh or having two people involved it doesn't doesn't bother me the, the other guy nick nicholson was completely disposable i mean he's just kind of there as a as an introduction to to felix Leiter being there um he doesn't really serve much more of a purpose other than mm -hmm. being a little bit of a liaison so i i, I if, if it was missing i think it would have been fine too it would have just been mm -hmm. more of a boring book i think it kind of just adds a little bit of flemingism to it let's let's jump to the uh, let's jump off the uh, the train and I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the big showdown, or is it a big showdown between Bond and Scaramanga? I think it's pretty cool. I do like the setting, even though I poo pooed the swamp setting a little bit earlier in our conversation. In this particular instance, I, I think it works relatively well. And the snake and killing the snake and eating it and and let me say my prayers. I feel like in just a few, uh, not just a few chapters, forgive me, in just a few pages, a lot is going on. And then we go back into Bond's head and he doesn't want to shoot him right now and he's having doubts. Very important section of the book. We'll start with uh, with with Emery this time. What do we make about this, this climax, this final showdown between our antagonist and protagonist? It's, um, I, I think the swamp really kind of... Um, indignifies Jamaica in the sense that we see Jamaica in a certain way. And I think even now in modern setting, like we think of Jamaica, like when we all think of Jamaica, we think of, you know, this beautiful scenes of GoldenEye and how beautiful it is. But when you actually talk to people who have been to Jamaica, and if you read even the travel advisories from, from you know, most places that say, you know, it's high in crime, it's not safe to go off the, the resorts and things like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think the, the, the whole idea of uh, not necessarily being an unsafe place but showing it that there is some um weakness or there is some you know that there's some um there, there's a darker side to this beautiful island i think is, is it's uh the, the swamp kind of kind of 
brings that into more perspective because it's it's you know they describe it as being smelly they describe it as being dirty it's full of mud it's it's not a pretty place to be um the snake thing was kind of weird um that that kind of grossed me out a little bit that he just murders the snake skins it alive or skins it like there and then starts eating raw snake flesh i mean that's kind of um that's kind of a weird thing to do um it's it's kind of mildly psychotic um so it was kind of strange and but then the whole that that that, that whole scene kind of gets gets dragged out with the snake i mean cut out the the eating the snake part or killing the snake is fine eating it was weird but then the asking to say his prayers because he's reaching for the the, the the small derringer pistol that kind of meshes well with me and it's kind of a, a weird uh, not a weird it's kind of a, a a good way to wrap things up there's just that the, the snake eating part is a little weird. Uh, what what more concerns me is is I don't know. Um, I, I'm I'm hoping that that you know guys like Ray Crumpled and and people like that listen to it. The Derringer pistol from from a distance. I mean, would it have been that accurate? I mean, what was he aiming at? Was he aiming for a headshot and got him in the shoulder kind of thing? <laughs> um, this is the, the the Derringer pistol. It's a, such a small little gun that. Um, I don't know how accurate it is at, at that far of a range. It's, it's usually like a lady's pistol. They'll carry in your purse to like, you know, a close range gun someone. So I'm kind of, it, it's cool that he had kind of that backup pistol. And that's kind of cool. Uh, and then he did mm. get to do some damage to Bond, but then, then Bond, you know. Just, doesn't really matter because they had a, they have a doctor in the hospital that knows everything about snake poison. So it's, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of, Anyway, that that kind of uh, <laughs> was like all very coincidental there at the end, um, but I, it wraps up the it wraps up the story well, and I think that it, the, the themes are are there, and it's it's um, I've I've got no issues with the end of the the, the book. I think it's it's a little drawn out um, at that point for that you know that final climax. The whole inquiry at the end of the book, I think mm-hmm. that just goes on forever after the hospital. It just goes on. Casino Royale gets a little bit long when he's having a discussion with Rene Mathis um, mm-hmm. about, you know, about things and this whole like introspective um, mm-hmm. philosophical view of, of what he does. This is just like, it's blah, 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 blah <laughs> for, for like what seems like forever. In a comparatively short book for that matter. Exactly. Um, it takes up a lot of room for, for such a short book to, to go in. And he, I mean, all the other conversations that he has or that he's listening in on are, are long as well. The one with Hendrix just, I mean, they get to the juicy part that you want. Like, okay, we're just going to kill him at the end and he's probably James Bond. And then it's like, okay, well, let's talk about finance for, for you know, eight pages. Simon, the mosquitoes, the little crabs, the snakes, fresh flesh. Is this all working for you in the climax? Do you, are you do you get hungry when you read this passage of the book? <laughs> yeah, like the all the the crabs that start scuttling out once it all goes quiet or whatever. Yeah. And some of those things again, the classic Fleming descriptions, very sort of unique descriptions. I, yeah, I like I like the atmosphere of 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 a dank, swampy environment mm. for this sort of final showdown, and the whole bit with um, Scaramanga. It's a very that very Fleming thing where there's almost an an, an animal connected to the mm-hmm. villain, but it does feel as if it's just sort of shoved on at the at the end. It's kind of oh look, is if it had done almost if it had done more bizarre stuff like that throughout the story. Obviously, he shoots the birds, but but if there was a kind of a more of a sort of again this thuggish thing, you lean into that, um, and and again it just seems as if you you kind of want Bond to to 
shoot the guy, have the final sort of showdown, and it mm-hmm. does seem, yeah, it does seem more drawn out. I mean, I, I like the descriptive atmosphere of of all of those things, and the the part when the the bridge blows up, and then yeah. he's trying to sort of drag injured Felix into the shade, and then he said it okay. sort of go, goes into the sort of the the sort of the the, the lower levels of of you know hell if you want to get into the sort of the john milton paradise mm-hmm. lost layers and things and mm-hmm. it does seem as if there is a, a a going further and further into the swamp into the sort of in into and, and not that i want to psychoanalyze the book i don't think it's really there but there is probably an argument i could probably make as well of bond needing to clear his his soul in some ways there is a sort mm-hmm. of a, okay. a swampy kind of dark <laughs> underbelly that that needs kind of purging and then and then the final chapter even though it drags on and on it's him sat in the sun for the most part or or, or being mm-hmm. sort of in a bright hospital room and and getting merry good nights there and 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 he's obviously being honored by mm-hmm. getting a getting a knighthood government you know it's kind of really yeah again it feels very doesn't feel very connected to the story but there is something about going through the darker swampy part um yeah and then just the the showdown the the sort of the i don't mind the i don't mind the dialogue between scaramanga and bond but yeah it does feel very stretched out and then again it just makes bond not that great where he's just sort of constantly just thinking just shoot shoot the guy or just do something else or or have some other complexity and then by the time he sort of pulls out his his tiny derringer and then it's um yeah i don't know it 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 just something about it it's just um yeah i like the atmosphere um but just as the final final showdown between these two main characters it 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 does feel somewhat anticlimactic I'm going to uh, borrow that. Henceforth, I'll be using. <laughs> you want me to pull out my tiny derringer? What are you talking about? <laughs> Let's. Uh, I, I think we're we're heading down the home home stretch, and I'll I'll open the floor to to whatever other uh, thoughts you guys might have that uh, I didn't think about. But do you ha- knowing that this is you know the last novel. I, I understand that there's a collection of short stories published uh, po- posthumously. Yes. Um, <laughs> sure. I wasn't going to take a chance to have that either. <laughs> Does that last paragraph mean anything to you emotionally, intellectually? At the same time, he knew deep down that love from Mary Goodnight or from any other woman was not enough for him. It would be like taking a room with a view. For James Bond, the same view would always pall. I mean, I don't think Fleming's writing this knowing that he's going to croak in a few months, uh, but this is the final line, uh, final paragraph. Hindsight is twenty twenty, so it's a bit of an easy question, but what are your thoughts about that ending, uh, Simon? If any, I mean, it, it, this might be a bogus question that I'll cut out. I don't know. I just find yeah. it's interesting that. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to sort of um, observe those things. I mean, there's been all other books that have had ambiguous endings that, that sort of either set up 
Bond will mm. go on, or or is Bond dead, or, or even even the end of Casino Royale, which if that had been the only book that Fleming wrote, that could have been a significant ending of him going right. Mm. It's sort of similar-ish, where it's kind of I'm I'm just gonna be this kind of mm. constant momentum. I, I can't sort of sit sit still, and and yeah. um, so it does feel in keeping with a lot of the other the other books i'm trying to have a quick scan across the endings of obviously moonrake has quite a downbeat ending mm -hmm. of the book um oh, Majesty's, i can't, I can't remember live and let die ending oh that's slave time with him and solitaire sat in the in the garden yeah. so that's kind of a bit more of a happier happier mm. vibe one but a lot of them have got this bond being again going back into this sort of internalized introspective mm -hmm. perspective so it seems seems in keeping i mean it but also, yeah, as you say, I don't think I would. I would be very curious as to in a in a different sort of timeline, what Fleming would have done had he mm -hmm. lived for another ten years. Yeah. Would he have gone? Okay, that's it. I'm going to pass it over to my mate Kingsley Amos, or I'm going to just. Mm -hmm. I'm or am I going to keep getting lured back by the money that I think we talked about when we talked about Doctor No off the back of. From Russia with love. No, it's I'm, I'm going to move on. I'm going to I'm going to write mm -hmm. chitty chitty bang bang, or I'm going to do other stuff. And then suddenly it's kind of bonds this huge money maker, and Fleming going, all right, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> um, whether that would have legitimately been the ending of, or whether he would have, mm. you know, it's kind of an interesting ob observation. But I think it it feels as if almost ten ten years, Fleming doing it for for a full decade, one a year. And he was clearly getting kind of a bit burnt out with with mm -hmm. ideas, and and so it, it does seem as if it's a, a suitable ending. But but again, there yeah, lots of the other books have had um, similar similarish yeah. endings. But yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing to to observe, and it makes me kind of a bit bummed out as well to, to sort of in knowing what happened. <laughs> yeah, but also knowing what happened to Fleming, and and obviously he did mm. get to see the, the success of his own creation in yeah. literary form and, and to some extent film form but he mm -hmm. only saw the first two films and then mm -hmm. goldfinger a couple of months later mm -hmm. took it to yeah. the to the next level and that, that's kind of sometimes a shame when because yeah. i think he never was taken that seriously as a writer and maybe to some extent he 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 played that up himself as well that narrative but you know it's mm -hmm. a shame that he didn't quite you know he had all the problems with the lawsuits and all of that and then just didn't quite get the literary praise that I, I do think he he deserves in terms of classic literature. He's a hell of a writer. Uh, Emery, how does this conclusion, uh, on what note does this conclusion leave you? What are, what are you feeling when you read something like this? Well, I mean, I think it's kind of classic Fleming. I think he's, he, we, we kind of got the feeling he was wrapping up and I mean, 12 novels over the span of 12 years, plus mm -hmm. the short stories, plus everything that he wrote for television that didn't actually get mm -hmm. into either TV that were recycled for, you know, books in the future that there's still, I think from last I read, there's three or four short stories that are still unpublished, unused. Um, right that that uh, that are kind of there um i think his his main intention is always he always wanted to break into tv and movies so i think that if he had continued he probably would have had a stronger hand in, in writing future movies um or uh, at least 
maybe moving on to something else. I mean, he he did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. He had um, Thrilling Cities. There's mm-hmm. the Diamond Smugglers, um, and there's there's I'm I'm forgetting other things. Uh, you know, he was a columnist in, in newspapers too. So I mean, he was doing everything all at once. So of course, yeah, he's he's getting burnt out by then, and this is probably his mm-hmm. his last stretch. Hard to think of how he would have followed this up because he kind of was trying to make a, an ending for it, you know, the, the knighthood and things like that. It was, it was to be expected. And when I first read this, I had, you know, very little knowledge of um, the Kingsley Amos uh, continuation Colonel Sun at that time, mm-hmm. because uh, Devil May Care hadn't yeah. come out yet when, by the time I had read um, this. And I had read a few gardeners, so I knew that the continuation novels did kind of exist in a different realm, but they were kind of in a different timeline. So I was mm-hmm. kind of, when I read, when I finally read Man with the Golden Gun, I had already read at least one or two of the gardeners. Um, okay. So just seemed like the end of the run. Um, and I really haven't paid much attention to the book, to be, to be honest. I mean, it's one of those ones, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. that's not really on my radar. So the ending is the ending. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's a bit of a strange, not a strange note, but I guess it's Fleming just reminding us that that Bond will always be who he is. You know, he'll always be in the shadows, no, no matter what other opportunities present uh, themselves to him. Um, you know, we'll never know what what might have been had you know Simon. You were saying if he had lived, at Fleming lived another decade. That was actually going to be one of my potential follow ups, but. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I don't even know how I would have answered my own question. What would have Fleming had written, given, given that there's maybe a sense in the man with the golden gun that um, I think you said he was running out of puff. I, I I've never mm-hmm. heard that before, but I like it. He, yeah, there's there's. It, it's it, he's huffing and puffing along a bit more slowly, and with maybe a little bit more creativity these days, circa 1965 these days. You know, Man with the Golden Gun is to greatest hits, Jamaica, Gangsters, A Train. Um, yeah, it's, I don't mind the ending, but it does feel like maybe there could have been another book after this. Although what ending you give James Bond, I I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, has everybody here read with the, what's it called, with the Mind to Kill? Yeah, with a mind to kill. Um, we don't need to review a second book. We've been going on long enough. But what did we make briefly of uh, with a mind to kill? Simon, I don't, we've never had the opportunity to talk about that one. Or at least I don't. I don't think so. Uh, is that a good follow up? Does it does it add anything to Man with a Golden Gun? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I think it it sort of retroactively made me well. It, if if nothing else, when I first read read the Horowitz, it made me then go back and read. One of the golden gun so that mm-hmm. that okay. served the purpose of of getting myself more interested in re- mm-hmm. revisiting that book and also i've got a somewhat controversial view as well um which Ooh. might get me uh, yanked yanked off the, off the podcast but for me it's actually my favorite of the three horowitz books no, it's it's it's. I mean, they're all three are very solid. It's like picking a favorite child. Like yeah, but I, I it's just, a great trilogy. It feels more. I like the fact that it's a bit darker, a bit more mean spirited, and I find some of his his first two have got some left. It's very Alex Ryder elements, which I think can okay. get a little bit cheesy. Whereas I found the third one 
was more dark, more, was more serious, didn't quite have that same level of cheesiness. So therefore it actually felt more Fleming because it was kind okay. of a bit more of a darker, mean-spirited mm -hmm. vibe. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's my sort of hot take on on that. And so, yeah, it, it, it definitely, I think, is a, a very good companion. It's a better companion piece to the, the previous book than I felt that um, Trigger Mortis was to Goldfinger. That obviously continued on from Goldfinger, but it didn't yeah. need to. Whereas this felt a really good companion piece to, as we've been talking about, a, a, a bit more of a maybe a flimsier, un, slightly unpolished mm -hmm. book. So having mm -hmm. a second follow-up book to kind of smooth over some of those things actually it was mm -hmm. effective. Um, yeah, we talked about this. So sorry to digress, but even when I did the Doctor No episode with with you and Matt. I think we were, even before that book came out, I think we were talking about there being a missed book between You Only Live Twice. It's <laughs> possible. That was so long ago. Once but... being brainwashed and that could have been a whole story. So the fact oh, that, that almost was explored, the fact that there was drama there to explore, mm. I think was, was effective. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Emery, a quick fire review of With the Mind, since it is a sequel of in many respects to what wow. we're reviewing today. I don't remember if we were on. I was on that original review. I think that I that I would that we wanted to be on that original review, and we didn't end up recording it uh, with me. But um, I really enjoyed it. I, I'm not sure if it's my favorite out of the Horowitz trilogy, but I do think it's a good um, it's a good way to redeem the Man with the Golden Gun um, mm -hmm. because Colonel Sun kind of just goes off and 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 you know starts over mm -hmm. again almost and and kind of just continues in the same vein as if nothing had happened and we're back to mm -hmm. regular old you know regular scheduled programming whereas with mind to kill was more you know okay you succeeded now let's use you against mm -hmm. the russians because mm -hmm. obviously there's still a threat and there's still a problem and we can use what we have now and so it's 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 kind of even goes deeper than what the purpose of M had mm. for Bond and in, in mm. Golden uh, Man with a Golden Gun, um, the kind of goes deeper into that that purpose of let's use him as a weapon and just as a really blunt instrument and kind of forget the um, the personality and the the persona of Bond and now let's just throw him back to the lions and uh, or the wolves and and see what uh, what happens. It's funny. It's almost as if um, now maybe this is heresy, but. Uh, Clearly, we don't think the man with the golden gun is the sexiest of the Fleming novels. It feels like with a mind to keep those first five chapters of Golden Gun, the assassination attempt and whatnot, and forget Scaramanga, just make the rest of the man with the golden gun. Okay, you tried to kill me. I didn't like that very much, but we think we've deprogrammed you. Now let's switch it around and play it on the right. It feels like... Yeah, and, and I don't want to say something like this because there's still there's still good material here, and we got you know we got a movie out of it with wonderful casting and and to to some of your earlier points, there are interesting elements in it. But yeah, it, it feels as though it, yeah, it does feel as though with a mind to kill with with a mind to kill should be the man with a golden gun post assassination but but that's a, that's a multiverse question right there that's that's not, yeah that's not in our universe um oh i've i've pummeled you with questions after questions after questions simon is there anything you need to get off your healthy chest about ian fleming's the man with the golden gun no i think we've covered all all 
the uh, the points. All my notes were either brought up by by you two guys, or I've had the opportunity to explore in in discussion. And yeah, I'll just say as a, as a wrap up for for my views. It's I don't like to rank things because it's totally mm. dependent on yeah. mood and very subjective. Like but it's but it's probably you know pretty low down the list. But it's also even a even a lesser Fleming is still great. I mean, he's, he's the guy that created the whole thing. I mean, all these. I mean, that, that is the bizarre thing about even the le even a lesser book like like this. He's the guy that's created something that is still kicking mm. around and has had all yeah. these iterations of music and movies and other books and mm. artwork and all sorts of other stuff. So there's so many facets to it, and so the fact that it was written by the guy who who was the reason that the three of us are chatting and mm. these things, I, I think mm. it's something to be celebrated. And, and even if he was kind of not exactly phoning it in, but definitely sort of, you know, maybe um, not quite firing on all cylinders, but mm. so, yeah, so I still really enjoyed rereading it and I really appreciate the opportunity to have reread it and to make some notes which, mm. as I said before, made me appreciate certain parts a little more. And, and it's also from our discussion, it's made me want to go back and revisit the Horowitz mm. as well, to sort of now that I've recently reread Golden Gun, to sort of have a bit of a mm. bit of a between between those as well. So, Emery, uh, what 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 what's uh, burning points do you need to? Uh, I think I think we. Many. I think we covered it all. Um, the only thing that's burning right now is is my phone. It's, it's I'm getting so many texts. It's 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 incredible. It's it's. I mean, it's still early days here in in Quebec City, uh, Saturday morning. Um, my phone is just it's just blowing up, Edgar. <laughs> Are the kids still there? Yeah, no. My my phone is uh, my my phone is is uh, blowing up. Uh, I got a uh, no. Hold on a second. Yeah, no. I did get a text message. Mm. Uh, is it Matt? No, it's not Matt. It's Jason? No, Jason. I and, I, and I'm here. I so who else is I wouldn't, I wouldn't answer Jason's text messages, anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Jason. We love you, Jason. Stop it. Um, no, it's from M. White. M. White. After all these years, uh, even after I would have thought that, given the hiatus the show has been on that M. White would have had the decency to forget about us. Just leave but us alone for a bit. Just leave us he cannot. How did he find out there was this special recording this morning or afternoon or tonight, if you're somewhere else? I don't know. But we were enjoying death, and now he's just <laughs> yes. found us again. Uh, you have people everywhere. I mean, yes, we have people everywhere. It's, we're still everywhere. A, yeah, yeah, we're still everywhere. There's still the Instagram account. And there's still the Facebook page. And, of course, Spotify for podcasters. Uh, just search for us on Spotify, and, and you'll find us there. Uh, there is still a YouTube page, even though it's not all that active. But uh, Google Podcasts and, and, and Apple Podcasts are, are platforms where you can still download all our back catalog. Um, and leave us a five-star Golden Gun review. Yeah, that, that would have been – actually, it's you know what's funny? It's been so book. long. And yet, I I forgot it. <laughs> I would not have said that had you not interjected with that. Um, Simon, thank you so much. Uh, one for your patience, because this one was a little while, <laughs> just a little while coming. 
but thank you for your participation in this episode. Thank you for coming back on the show. Is, is there anything, you, last points you want to share, anything about film, cinema, future projects, or just anything Bond-related that you want to share? Just to thank you both again for having me on the show. Uh, it's always a pleasure. I really appreciate all the hard work that, that you all do as well. Um, producing the episodes, the content, hours and hours of, of content for, <laughs> for my enjoyment and, and others, I'm sure, as well. So, I, yeah, I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate the, the time to sit down and discuss some Fleming. Yeah, well, it's it, Fleming is, it, it, it's interesting, you know, it feels like th everything has come full circle. I guess to come full, full circle would be like a third review of Casino Royale, the book, spoilers that's not happening but i guess that would have been really really full circle because that was the first episode ever but right. uh yeah it feels right to 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 camp off the fleming second edition um even though we do have some reservations some misgivings about this book but to your point simon um you know the flemings are a bit like the movies you know do i want to watch mediocre to poor film x or do I want to watch Die Another Day? You know, that's the choice I'm giving. No, I'll watch Die Another Day. I don't think it's a particularly good movie, but I'll watch Die Another Day. You'll, you'll enjoy it more. You'll yeah. enjoy it more. I will enjoy mine. Do I want to read a uh, mediocre spy adventure novel written by auth hack author X? Or do I want to crack open Man with the Golden Gun? No, I'll read Man with the Golden Gun. I'll, it's, it's, it's comforting. It's like a warm blanket on a cold winter's day. So thank you, and thanks, Emery, obviously, for taking some time out of your, uh, I know I know you can be a fairly busy individual and you still took the time uh, on, on this Saturday. So um, this is a strange conclusion, just as James Bond always returns, dot, 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 so too will the James Bond complex, question mark? Sur ce, toujours un plaisir. Et au revoir, domo, no, uh, arigato matane. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>